But I asked the question, how was a nation truly blessed? This is in light of, obviously, we had Canada Day here a couple days ago. Uh, Is it electing the right politicians? Is it getting the freedom to live as I want? Is it being financially secure? Uh, Is it a militarily superior country? How is a nation truly blessed? All of these are temporary uh, indicators. But ultimately, as the verse states, and I want to look at Psalm 33, 12, it gives us a a highlight in the truths of how a nation is truly blessed of the Lord. And that is the indicator uh, of a nation. Uh, The nation is obviously, the nation of Canada has long strayed from the moorings of the Lord. There have been some strong believers through the years whom God has used. In Psalm 33, 12, if uh, you follow along with me as you have your place there in the Bible, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And I'll talk about the inheritance this evening, uh, and I'll go back over some of the other truths. But the principle is, the only way to build this nation uh, is to make God our Lord in all of our activities of life. Whose God? There are a lot of gods out there, there G, little G-O-D, a lot of idols, a lot of things that can pull our attention away from the true creator God. And uh, we spoke about some of those this morning, so let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing upon this time, and then we'll commence uh, our study of this passage of scripture. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your magnificent grace. Lord, I thank you even for as a song I'd give, God will take care of you. Lord, in the hard times of life, it sure is difficult to think that God's taking care of us, but Lord, it is true. And even today, thinking about the verse from 2 Corinthians about my grace is sufficient for thee, Lord, that you give us what we need. And Father, a nation a people, a believer is blessed when our God is you, as opposed to some idol or amusement of life that pulls our attention and our passions from thee. Father, I pray tonight as I preach your holy word again, God, give me the words to speak. God, I pray that you would draw our hearts closer into thy very presence. And Lord, that we would learn to fall ever more in love with you, to make you our Lord. And so, God, I commit all that will transpire into thy precious hands. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. I'd spoken about this morning really an attraction to ease, and I, the principle, the, the, uh, <laughs> the passage of Scripture that we looked at this morning was in Amos chapter 6, uh, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. And what had transpired in Israel is they become very comfortable, laying upon their couches, laying upon, uh, and they had made the comforts and the amenities of life that which was their passion. And that's easy to happen. It can so easily distract us when hard times come, the only the first thing we're looking for is ease. 
And as we get from this, but one of the things that's necessary, the first thing that's necessary is an attitude of elevation. As I mentioned here, blessed is the nation whose God, that G-O-D there, for God's name, is Elohim. That's the very first verse of the Bible, and in the beginning, God. That word for the Hebrew, Elohim, is the Almighty One. It also speaks of His Trinity, El, and then Ohim is denoting the plurality. He's three persons in one God. And I won't go down that trail uh, tonight, but it, it, is denot- it is denoting the fact that God is three persons in one in that because of the, uh, the language there in the Hebrew. Then the second of all things, it says, whose God is the Lord, that L-O-R-D there is Jehovah, a personal name with which we know God, as you have a personal name. That is a name. So it blesses a nation whose God is the Lord, and the very fact is, in this, uh, of Jehovah. You would find it in chapter 2. God, that Lord, is not used in chapter 1 in the creation process, but it is used in chapter 2. And in respect, the first time it's mentioned is in with respect to man. So there's a, a relationship there. Then as we looked at this morning, receiving the blessings of God, if you do a study on the word blessed in the Old Testament, <clears throat> of that word blessed, it's also translated as happy uh, in the that same Hebrew word will sometimes be translated happy and sometimes as blessed. But the first thing to being blessed, if you, as you do a study on that word in the passages of Scripture it's used within the context, you'll see, number one, that you must be a saved people. Born again, having received, obviously in our dispensation, having received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Second of all, the second point we had looked at is you must be an obedient people. And we looked at an illustration of, of the Ninevites upon, to whom Jonah would give a message. They responded to God's message in repentance. The very king, the Ninevites, were a horrifically violent, cruel people. And yet the message penetrated the hearts of some of the hardest of people. And they were blessed. It is also a disciplined people and a people that You know what, when we go astray, God is not afraid to correct us. And we even mentioned some of the chastening of God, but allowing ourselves and responding correctly to the chastening of God. It's also a trusting people. We trust Him with our lives. That's how we are blessed. It's also a called person wherein you know what God has for your life. You know what God desires for you. You're intimately intimately, uh, in communication with the Lord and have an idea of what God wants to do with your life. And you're following Him in obedience. It's also an individual that is not settled upon wisdom of this world, but rather someone that searches for true wisdom. Proverbs 3, 13 and 14, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. And it talks about the merchandise of it is better than silver and gold. And the number seven, the point that we looked at as you do the study of blessed, is a people that are just happy. In verse Psalm 144, 15, happy is that people that is in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. 
And I want to ask you the question this evening, are you just happy to have God as your God? And last of all, the point we looked at is a neighborly, humble person, someone who is blessed, or to receive the blessings of God must be a neighborly person or humble person. Now, the second, picking up where we left off, an attainment of endowment. How do I receive this inheritance? And you think the nation to people, and, and he hath chosen, you know, he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Is he talking only about the Israelites here? And I want to say tonight that we can enter into the very promises and blessings of Abraham. Now, obviously, Israel is still a distinct nation, and there are distinct promises for the nation of Israel. Nevertheless, we as Gentiles, we would have still the great inheritance set before us. So I want to see the bestowal of all good things. Look with me at Psalm 84, verse 11. How do I, how do I get God to bestow good things upon my life? Am I preaching a health, wealth, and prosperity? I am not. But I am saying that we can have the good hand of God upon us. Look with me, and, and this idea of blessing, Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory no good thing. Will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. The bestowal of all good things. No good thing. You know what? God's not going to withhold any good thing. You might be saying, that would be really good if I had it. And God might be saying, no, that's not a good thing for you right now. The second thing is we find, so we find in, in this endowment that God gives us is the blessings of, of a nation, the blessings of, of following him. The first thing is the bestow of all good things. No good thing will he withhold. God wants to, as a loving father, he wants to give us good things. You might be saying, you don't know the trial I've been through. It sure wasn't good. I sure wish from my vantage point of a very finite, limited understanding of life, that I could see what God sees. But he knows what I need. And talks about in Scripture, you know, even that God refines us as fire. That I could do more for him and, and know him closer. But in Psalm 89, verse 15, the second thing that we really attain in the blessings of inheritance of God, and I'll speak about how to be a part of that inheritance, but Psalm 89, 15. I believe we had mentioned this verse this morning, but the second thing is a true mental health and position of prominence. Verse 15 of Psalm 89. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day, and in thy righteousness shall they be exalted. That is speaking of a healthy mental state. Rejoicing in the joy of the Lord. I was talking with someone some time ago, and they had gone through, they had had quite a hard life, and uh, they had said, well, you know, everything's, they'd made a statement to me about, you know, well, 
yeah, sure, I, I, can't, I can't do that, what the Bible's saying. You've had a good life, and things have gone on in your life, and, but it doesn't matter where, you know, and I told them, I said, listen, there's been some battles in my life, battles in my wife's life, there's been battles in every one of our lives. My background has, is not an indicator of how I can rejoice in the Lord. It's a personal choice. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Are there, you know, some of the background, does it make it harder? Does it uh, produce some things that are challenged? Yes. I'm not making light of some things that have happened in the past, but God's saying, in thy name shall they rejoice. He says, listen, you can rejoice as you know me. If you ever read about Corey Ten Boom, or uh, there's this book called A Girl No One Wanted, Dory was her name, and uh, she was a foster child, been passed back and forth, a lot of awful things happened to her, but she would go on to serve the Lord and, and to be a missionary for him with her and her husband, but she made a choice. The second, the third thing is a healthy spiritual inheritance of the next generation. Look with me at Psalm 112. We're just kind of working our way through the Psalms here. Psalm 112, verse 1. You can have a healthy spiritual inheritance that you give to the next generation. In Psalm 112, verse 1, praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments, his seed shall be mighty upon earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed, wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. You can, <clears throat> his righteousness endureth forever. The very fact is, your life for Christ can have an impact upon the next generation. You may not have necessarily much wealth, much riches, it talks about his seed shall be mighty upon earth. You know what? You can have a generation of kin, of succeeding generations, that you can impact. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Verse 2 here. Because you've made a choice to make God your Lord. Make God your God and your Lord. Not only is he your God, but you know him personally as your Lord. In Psalm 128, verse 1, look with me at the next one. Another idea of the, what God gives us in the bestowment of blessings. Psalm 128, 1. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. What's he saying here? He says, I'm going to give you enough work. If you want to labor, you want to work, I'm going to give you it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you labor. I'm going to give you a job. I'm going to give you meaning for life. You'll have an adequate provision of labor. Let's look at another passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 8. Try to put them in a sequence so we can work our way through, rather than flipping back and forth all over. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34. pretty amazing what we can have as a child of God. When I make God God of my life, 
Proverbs 8, verse 34, it reads, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my door, for whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. A lot of people try to work their way to the good graces of God by going through some religious adornments, religious uh, adoration. I do enough prayers, I, I, go to, I do enough good works, and maybe, just maybe, I'll make God happy. God's saying, you know what, you want to make me happy, here's how you do it. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my door, whoso findeth me findeth life. There's a relationship here where you get to know him. And I can obtain the favor of the Lord. And look with me at Proverbs chapter 20, another endowment, the last point that I had for this section, but Proverbs chapter 20, uh, verse 6. You know what you'll have? You'll have spiritually rich children. Verse 6 of Proverbs chapter 20, most men will pro- proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find the just man walketh in his integrity his children are blessed after him. A king that sitteth in the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. But well, the fact is we see the just man walketh in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. What can you do? You walk in integrity and you walk in uh, the knowledge and making God your God. Not in the ease of those of Samaria. There, Woe to them that are at ease at Zion. Amos 6. But I make God my God, my focus, my love, my first enjoyment. And he says, your children are blessed after you. It's a pretty good promise there. Now I want to look at several of God's curses for failing to do this. We'll go back to Proverbs chapter 8. We'll come back to Proverbs 28, but Proverbs 8 here. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 36. Verse 36 of Proverbs chapter 8. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. We're seeing a lot of, I would say, death. Not necessarily just a physical death, though there is that. But we're also seeing a lot of hurt. Pain, deep, abiding pain. He that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. When we are in opposition of God, God's saying, listen, you are bringing, you love death. Whether you love it or not, you love death. Let's look at another one, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 12. This is when I'm rejecting, when God is not my God, he's saying, I'm loving death. Now, whether you intentionally love it, or just by the opposition of God by inference, you're still exhibiting a fact that God is life. There's no darkness. There's joy, there's peace. And you might be saying, I've been trying to serve God and it only seems like pain and emptiness. There's still something in our life that God's trying to work out of us. In Proverbs 28, verse 12, 
When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory, but when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy, or blessed, as we had seen there, is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. As a roaring lion and a raging bear, so is a wicked ruler of the poor people. What happens when a nation begins to turn away from God? What happens when a group of people, or even, let's say, even a family turns from God? They fall into mischief. Maybe not right away. Have you ever known some families that have gone away from the Lord, gone away from church, and and you find them out several years, a number of years later, and there's a lot of unintended pains that occur in that life of that family. Here's something else that also happens and occurs. So look with me at Romans chapter 10. You know what happens when the Lord is rejected from your life and you begin to live your life under your own dictates your own philosophy as romans chapter 10 verse 2 tells us when the lord is rejected self-righteousness or self-created morals will rule verse 2 of romans 10 let's look at verse 1 brethren my heart's desire and prayer to god for israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Israel had a lot of knowledge religiously about God. They knew of the thou shalt, thou shalt not. They knew of a lot of the religious sentiments, a lot of the religious language, but in fact, it says they, but then going on, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, that which is pleasing to God. Ultimately, if you want to think about it that way. And going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What have they done? They've created their own self-created morals. When we begin to create our own morals, there is no end to the compromise that we can make. We look at a society, who are, you know, you tell someone, say, hey, that's not a good thing to do. Well, who says it's you? It's right to me. I mean, they, down in the States with the whole Roe v. Wade and the abortion issue. Where, what is life? Is life even valuable? If I have the worldview of evolution, then life has no value. And if there is no value, then it doesn't matter what I do in this world if there is no accountability for my actions. But if there is accountability, then that's necessitating there are some laws that I'm bound to. And so just because you have some religious order, but you don't know God, you're living life under your own rules. And you'll bring forth death. You'll bring forth increased hardships in your life. Now, how do I really obtain God's inheritance? If you're still there in Romans, turn with me back to chapter 9. Actually, we're going to be in Romans here a little bit. Romans chapter 9, verse 7, it reads, 
your, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. What in the world is he talking about here? What the, the penman, the author, obviously it's God, the, inspired, it's the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, but he's saying just because you may be the child of Abraham, just because your great, 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 maybe a few more greats, grandfather, Abraham, and, and you're in that family line, it says you're not, are they, doesn't mean you're of the promise of Abraham. Just because your physical, lineal heritage, your, your family line goes back, to er, uh, goes back to Abraham or Isaac, it doesn't guarantee blessings. But you think about what happened. In Isaac shall they seed be called. Uh, Isaac, he would, you know, <laughs> there's a faith there. It was when Abraham, you know, he stepped out of Ur of the Chaldees. He left Ur of the Chaldees. He put his faith... We find in Genesis 15, it talks about, you know, by faith Abraham believed God. In verse 30 of the same idea here, it's, so again, just because your family name, just because your parents might be believers in God, it doesn't translate to you as a believer. It doesn't give you the inheritance. Verse 30 of Romans chapter 9. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained unto righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith. Are the Gentiles also of the promise of the blessings of Abraham? Are they also of the blessings of God? And he's saying, yes, they are. The Israelites, who were God's people to give out the knowledge of God to the world at that point in time in the Old Testament, were God's ambassadors to the world, but they lived their life upon a law. They lived their life upon, this is what religion says we're supposed to do, even though I have no relationship with the God. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing, but I'm doing it because I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And you know when you live your life that way, you just, you do things uh, out of mechanical uh, op, you know, obligation, it feels really dead. It feels empty. I mean, you, sometimes I remember going into some churches as a kid, and even when I was older, uh, when I was there in university, and I'd go into a church and you'd stand up, read something, sit down, stand up, recite something, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, and then you listen, right? And uh, you just kind of like, what in the world was I there for? Sometimes, so, and, and the verse goes on. Let's look at a little bit further here. Because as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. So Israel looks at the law and says, well, <laughs> wait a second. Well, just because it, you're not following the law. But they never, what is the purpose of the law? The law, as we had discussed several weeks ago, it points us back to God. To make God our God, your God. Verse 33, as is written, behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. What is he saying here? It is faith 
that secures you into the inheritance. Then, because of chapter 11, it tells us because of Israel's negligence and disobedience, she was broken off of God using her as His ambassadors. And it opened the way for us Gentiles to be the ambassadors and fellow heirs. Were Gentiles saved in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Many. You can read about Rahab and Ruth and others that would come. The Ninevites, there were others that would come to know Christ, come to know God. But it tells us in Romans chapter 11, Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not, the, spare not thee. So the, the Israelites lost their ability, lost, you know, as a child. If they put their faith in Jesus Christ now, then they are obviously a part of this. But they stopped putting faith in God and merely went through religious rituals. And it was no benefit. Ephesians 3, 6 tells us that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. How? By the gospel. So blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. How do I get into the inheritance of God? It comes by faith in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You want to know something that's really cool? Look with me at Galatians 3.29. Last few verses before I come to the conclusion this evening. But Galatians chapter 3. And as Jesus Christ would encounter, he dealt with these religious rulers that said, because Abraham's our father, somehow is imparted to me some extra special uh, uh, privilege. That because I'm Abraham's seed, and I follow these rules as the Pharisees, these leaders would follow, you know, and they arrogantly put their position because my great-great-grandfather way back when was Abraham, then somehow I have some special right to God. And God says, no, you don't. Look with me at Galatians 3.29. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I get the inheritance of God. And all of this inheritance, it comes through faith. Verse 17 of Galatians 3. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Now he's talking about the Abrahamic covenant. God told Abraham, your, your descendants will for 400 years be. Now there's 430 here, and there's some time frame, but uh, 430 years, from the time Abraham was told to the time Israel would be freed, 430 years. But God gave the promise that Israel would enter into the promised land. Verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. Was Abraham given that promise because he was a good person? No, he did it by faith. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. They, Abraham didn't earn that promise from God that your seed and your seed seed will be blessed. 
It was merely by the, the grace of God that he gave it to Abraham. Now, Abraham was a man that exhibited faith, but God gave it out of his own. There was nothing that Abraham, Abraham could have done to merit the rewards and the inheritance that God wanted to give. If you have a loved one that's passing away and they put into their will something for you to gain, it is their decision to give you whatever the inheritance is. And Abraham had made God his God. It was simply by faith. So if we want to enter into the inheritance and the blessings of God, it is conditioned upon us making him our God and simply taking him by faith and trusting him. Whose God is the Lord? Bless his nation, whose God is the Lord? And the question is, is God your God? And if he's your Lord, you also know him personally. You see, the very heartbeat, as I draw this to a close, the very heartbeat of a country is not the morals of the political house, but rather the faith of God's house. And God has called you and I as believers to be the light, the salt, the ambassadors, and the adjectives go on. But if as a citizen of this nation, I'm not willing to do what is necessary to receive the blessings of God, why do you think God would have any reason to bless this nation? Do you realize in the very uh, dialogue that a uh, Abraham would have with God over destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, he got to the point of saying, if there's even ten righteous people, that would have been Lot's family. If there's only 10 people, you'll spare this nation. And there weren't even 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah that would even have a faith in God. If we allow idolatry to reign in our lives in the form of increasing amusement, then woe to the nation that neglects the blessings and the actions necessary for the blessings of God. A blessed nation is a nation where there's believers, saved people, obedient and humble people, a disciplined people, a trusting people, a called people, a wise people, a thankful people, and a neighborly citizen. To shun the Lord and exclude Him from society and culture, it only brings certain death. Not immediate physical death. Potentially increased financial woes. Decreased mental health. An uncertain and ominous future, it deprives citizens of a true provision of God. It deprives citizens of a real value. A nation that loses God's favor and it also further leaves spiritually bankrupt children. This nation is not blessed unless God is their Lord and unless you and I as a professing believer in Jesus Christ do our part to obtain God's blessings. 
How do I have a right to gripe and complain about the degeneracy of this nation, the moral decline of this nation, if I'm not willing in the first place to do what is necessary to bring God's blessings even upon my own personal life? Sin always brings death. My selfishness, your selfishness, only further distances this nation from making God our Lord. So the question is, what will be your response? Are you willing to do what is necessary to be blessed of the Lord? A final quote, and then I'll, we'll have an invitation. Leonard Ravenhill, 20th century English outdoor evangelist, he said, I don't believe that Christianity today is true Christianity. It's so worldly. People say that we have no king and queen. Now, he's talking in the States here, king and queen in America. I say we have a king in America. His name is Sport, and his wife's name is Entertainment. And I am convinced that entertainment is a devil's substitute for joy. If a house is full of the joy of the Lord, if we saw people genuinely redeemed, transformed by the grace of God, we put off the old life and put on the new life, If they quit their smoking, drinking, and fooling, and sinning, and were totally committed to Jesus Christ, we could turn America around. If everybody professing Christianity, this Christianity, in one total day, we could turn America around. No, obviously, this is a man's uh, thought on this, but the truth is, God used merely 12 disciples. And then you would have the upper room of 120, but nevertheless, you had a small group of people that would turn the world upside down. God can do, use a small group to do great things. Because it's not the small group, it's the great God that does the work. So how do we build a strong national inheritance? We follow Psalm 33:12, And we follow the prerequisites to the blessings of God. But the question is, am I willing to put forth the effort to receive God's blessings? If I could have Miss Pat come forward, we'll have a time of invitation this evening. I just want to ask you the question. First question is, you'll have no blessings, God, number one, if you have not been born again. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He went to that cross, he died, he rose again, because he realized the death sentence for every person is hell. And he doesn't want any person to go there. It wasn't created for humans. And in simple faith, if you'll just trust that your sins put him on that cross, you're guilty. I was guilty many years ago when I asked him to forgive me my sins and be my Savior. And if you'll do that this evening, if you've never done it, I trust you would see God work. You would understand that you can become a child of God. You are not a child of God. Not everyone in this world is a child of God. You're only a child of God if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Christian, am I willing to be an obedient, humble person, a disciplined person, a trusting person, a called person, a wise person, a thankful person, and a neighborly citizen? To receive the blessings of God, what is your response to receiving God's blessings? As the music plays, I trust, as the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart, spoken to your conscience, that you would respond... Uh, however he may have spoken to you this evening. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, however God may have spoken, I trust that you talk with him.
after the chorus here in this song. I just trust that we take these truths and apply them to our lives. I sure don't want to leave a bad legacy to the next generation. This generation is having some real struggles. But may I do my part before the Lord to make God my God and make him my Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the strength, uh, the clarity of mind. Lord, it's pretty simple to trust you. Father, that's the struggle. Is we like being the leader of our own destiny, not realizing that we're making ourselves our own God. And Father, I pray tonight that you would help us to replace ourselves and to put you into the place you rightly deserve. Lord, I yield this time to thee and the work in the hearts that you've done. Lord, I pray that we would truly be pleasing in thy sight. Father, thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray.